starting this new series called Relational Intelligence, and the topic today is self-awareness. Now, this is going to be a highly practical series. Um, My hope as your pastor is that this helps us become more like Christ in our relationships. How many of you know that some relationships are easy? You just hit it off, uh, you know, you, you just hit it off right off the bat. And some relationships are organic. It's just, it just happens. And then some relationships don't. <laughs> they're, they're hard work. It's like plowing up, up ground and you just, you got to keep working or the ground gets hard again and, and, and you got to work really hard. But for every relationship, whether it's the easy ones or the hard ones, here's something that is true. That time passes, right? Time passes. And no matter how close a relationship, the passage of time will always bring possibilities and opportunities for conflict every single time. Don't you wish that weren't true? Don't you wish there was just one relationship in your life that was always great? Well, I remember a time in my life where I thought that and where I had some relationships that had always been great. And then guess what happened? I got old. I got older. Time passed. And even the closest relationships in my life with the passage of time and the happenings of life and just stuff that happens were tested. As a pastor, I can relate with having what I would think, you know, you, you always think you have pure intentions, right? Maybe some of you don't, but, but you know, a lot of times you think, well, my intentions are pure. And so I can relate with having what I think were pure intentions and wanting the best for everyone involved and still not being well-received in relationships, especially when leading, especially when parenting, especially when the stakes get higher and it's all of a sudden like, wait, I don't know what to do now. Now we know we can't please everyone. You know, that's kind of a universal truth. But there's always these times where it's like, I know I can't please everyone, but I just don't know what to do. And so hopefully, as there's always going to be relational hurdles to navigate, hopefully this this series will help us learn how to live a Christ-centered life in our relationships and help us find a way to love each other despite our differences. And so I believe the first step in this process is becoming more self-aware. And before you think we're just, this is going to be some self-help talk today, it's not at all. And we're we're going to get into that. But listen, why is self-awareness such a big deal? Okay, let me just remind you. Have you ever been around somebody who, who turns their speakerphone in public and talks really loud? Turns their phone all the way up and it's like, what are you doing? Right? And everybody else is like, awkward city. It's like, we don't want to listen to your conversation. Hey, you need to be a little bit more self-aware. Have you ever been around somebody with their Bluetooth headset and, and you didn't know the Bluetooth headset and, and they're talking really loud and you thought they were talking to you, but, and they don't care that other people are around, they're just carrying on their conversation on their Bluetooth headset. Uh, if that's you, don't raise your hand today. But, you know, maybe a little more self-awareness would help. What, what about those friends of yours that just talk way too much and never let you get a, a word in edgewise, right? They're just, they never stop. And as a non I don't use a ton of words. You know, it's like, sometimes I do like to talk though. And it's like, okay, I wish those people were just a little more self-aware. What about the, the incessant interrupter? Anybody have an interrupter in their life? Is anybody the interrupter? And you're just, you're self-aware to know it today. It's like, you know, man, 
Do you even notice that you're interrupting all the time? What about the one-upper? Has always got a better story. Has always, as my son would, would like, caught a bigger fish. Has always done something better. And it's like, dude, you just need to chill and be a little bit more self-aware. What about the, the close talker? How many of you, that's like your trigger? It's like, uh, you know, the person keeps getting closer and you just keep t- taking a step back. And before long, you run into the wall because there's no many more steps back to take. And they don't have a space bubble. What about the line cutter? Talk about not being self-aware. Um, uh, 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 my boy, my Jason went to um, uh, Kings Island last night and they said they waited in a line for 40 minutes and still didn't get on the ride because it shut down. It's like, ah, but there's nothing worse than waiting in a line and, and somebody like cutting in front of you and you're just standing there trying not to cuss and you're like, Jesus, help me in Jesus name. I'm, I'm going to take somebody out, right? It's just not self-aware. Here, here's one. What about the buffet line where, you know, everybody's in line and then there's the one, it seems like it's always a dude. Sorry, guys. But there's the one guy that piles his plate like this high and you're like, dude, leave some for me. Like, what are you doing? There's a lot more people that need to eat here. You know, I used to live up north and it was a funny thing that, uh, and I don't know what it was, but it's like you never take the last piece you leave it on the plate. And if you're the person that takes the last piece, it's like, what is wrong with you? Who takes the last piece of anything or the last scoop? It's like, why? Because you wanna be self-aware of those around you. And then last but not least, the ringer in church. Why don't we all just take our phones off out right now and, and just turn them on silent? No, but my favorite was one time we were sitting in church and the ringer goes off, the dude pulls it out, he says, hello, and just starts his conversation as he walks out of the room. It's like, hey, and since that's never happened here at Mosaic, I can share that story. But all great reasons, and we all know somebody in our life that just needs a little bit more self-awareness, but what if that person could be you in some area of your life that you just need a little bit more Awareness. Here's what Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now think about this in the context of relationships. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, that would be a lack of self-awareness, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, I've quoted that verse many times and not had it in the context of relationships. But look at what comes next. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. And so you're going to harvest what you plant, right? Don't be misled. God will not be mocked. Whatever you put in, you will get out. If you live a life of complete lack of self-awareness, don't be surprised when your relationships are not that healthy. But... Don't tire from doing what is good because you're going to reap a harvest if you don't get up. Therefore, do good to everyone. Be aware. Be aware. 
And so what do we learn? I'm going to reap the good and I'm going to reap the bad. Right? Both. I'm going to reap the good and I'm going to reap the bad. I better be aware of the negative things I'm planting in my relationships and I better be aware of intentionally planting good things. What else do we know? This verse is directly to each and every one of us individually. So I can't change anyone else, but I can submit my life to Christ and let him change me. Everyone can probably echo the statement. I know I can. I wish the people in my life were better at relationships. Can anybody say that? I just wish they would all get it. What is wrong with everybody in my life that just can't do relationships very well, right? But no, this verse turns it back onto us. Hey, don't grow weary in doing good. Who? You, me. I'm gonna harvest what I plant, right? And so I need to be aware. But here's the catch today. We all have blind spots, every single one of you, me included. And I ask people all the time because I know, I'm like, hey, how did that come across? What, how did that make you feel? Because, because I know that I don't always come across right. And I've, I've learned that from experience, right? And I still mess up. And so we all have blind spots. What is a blind spot? It's an area in the lives of people in which they continually do not see themselves or their situations realistically. This unawareness often causes great damage to the people around them. So that's our working definition today. So I'm unaware. I don't see things realistically. I have an altered view of reality. And, and on different levels, like some people, it might be very extreme. Some people, it might be just, you know, in one area of their life, they're just not seeing it right. But it causes damage to the people around them, Right. When I first turned 16, I, I, man, I showed up at the DMV or whatever it, was called, whatever it was called in Missouri on the day I turned 16, right? I'd had my permit back in the day. Now, my mom had driver's ed, but for some reason when I grew up, there was no driver's ed. There was no requirement for it. I just showed up when I turned 16 and took the driving test and got my license. It was heavenly. And those of you kids that have to do, go through all these driving tests or lessons, you're like, what? You know, I just made you jealous. And so, but I get my license and, and I inherit the family's station wagon. 1987 ginormous blue Chevy Caprice Classic. It seated 10 people. I was in style. And so uh, I, I felt like I was the best driver in the world. And so one day I parallel parked this boat downtown Columbia, Missouri for something downtown. I, I don't even remember why I was down there. And, um, and I was feeling great. And I go to leave my parking spot that day and I crank that wheel. And what do I do? I pull right out of that spot and a brand new Ford Mustang crashes right into my rear left fender. Where was the car? It was in my blind spot, right? And so right off the bat, now was the Chevy Caprice Classic a looker? No, <laughs> right? Was anybody jealous of my car? No, even though it had seven liters of V8 power under the hood and that thing coasted. It was amazing, right? But did we get it fixed? No. Right? That thing was paid off. There was no bills. And, you know, so there was no way my parents were going to get it fixed. I think my dad even wanted me to just look at it from there on out to know that, hey, you have blind spots. 
And that's the thing about blind spots. I had to live with the public display of my failure, but here's the deal. I knew about it and everybody knew about it. You know, but us in relationships, when we, when we have blind spots, a lot of times uh, everybody knows about it, but we don't know about it. Why? Because it's a blind spot. And so, number one, most people have blind spots. Most people have them. And we have two choices about how we can live through relationships when it comes to blind spots. You can use a lens or you can use a mirror. The lens principle says that, you know, who we are determines how we see others, right? That you look at everything through your own view. But the mirror principle says that the first person we must examine is ourselves. The problem with the lens principle is that we're all marred by sin. This is the basis of the gospel, that we all have a massive blind spot, but we think we know better. But the mirror principle says, I gotta examine myself first. And so the sooner that we get in alignment with this principle, the sooner we can grow in relational intelligence by just realizing I have a blind spot and I need to look at me. Number two, it's that few people see their blind spots. When it comes to blind spots, few people know about them. We see ourselves by our intention. Have you ever noticed that? You see yourself by your best intentions, but you see others by their actions. A little unfair, if you ask me. That we look at everybody else and we expect them, we hold them to this crazy high standard. We see, you know, and, and we hold them to this, you know, justice that we would never want to hold ourselves to. We see ourselves within context. We see others without context. Tons of grace for me and tons of justice for you, right? Nathaniel Brandon said, the first step towards change is awareness. The second step is acceptance that I have to accept and see my blind spots, but few people see them. And I really think that there's two kinds of people when it comes to, to, to this not seeing the blind spot thing. Listen, everything is exaggerated in life the larger your circle of influence grows. So as you become a parent, uh, you have kids, guess what, your blind spots are magnified. Why, because you're being tested. When you become a leader, your blind start spots get, start to get magnified. Why? Because you're being tested. When you step out into the real world, young people, your blind spots begin to get magnified. Why? Because you're being tested. We all have influence. We all you know, have, have to lead the way in our own life. But here's the deal. There's two kinds of people. Those that are unaware of their blind spots, they literally don't know, right? They're unaware, hence the name blind spot, or they're not blind to it and they just don't care. They've been made aware of their blind spots multiple times, but they don't, they can't, they won't change, which is just super sad. And a lot of times they even act like they don't know about them. Could that be you today? And then the third thing is that many people can be hurt by our blind spots. Like I said, everything's exaggerated. When, the, when your circle of influence grows. And so no one else can manage those blind spots for you. And if we don't manage them ourselves, if we don't see them, accept them, and know that, man, they're hurting other people, then we're gonna, we're gonna do a lot of damage. So what do we do? Let's dig into scripture today. What do we do with our blind spots? Number one, 
We got to pre-decide your destination. You got to pre-decide your destination. Before you go on a journey of self-awareness, before you figure out what are my blind spots, first you gotta, you gotta chart the course. Where do you want to end up? And so you gotta pre-decide your destination. What does this look like? I know that for me in my life, the ultimate destination that I've chosen, you could call it my mission for life, my personal you know, mission state, whatever you wanna call it, whatever kind of jargon you wanna use, but what is it? I wanna be like Jesus. At the end of the day, I just want to somehow, even if it's just in a little way, reflect Christ. And you might say, Joe, I know you. You don't always reflect Christ. And you know what? I know. And, but I never want to lose that tension. I want, hey, if even just in some way in my life, if I reflect Jesus, because will I ever be a perfect reflection of who Jesus is? No. But can I always, always try and never stop trying? Absolutely. So I want to, I want to be like Christ. I'm going to pre-decide my destination. Listen, self-awareness is helpful only as long as it drives you towards Christ-likeness. Why? Because self is not the goal. And so as we go on this journey of learning about ourselves and learning how we come across to other people, it's not just about finding all about ourselves. Some people get a huge kick on, on you know, and, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit on assessments and learning about yourself. And, you know, they just they become consumed with themselves and what other people are like and how it interacts. And all of that is super helpful, but only as long as you remember your destination. That I want to learn about me and how I'm affecting those around me. Why? Because I want to reflect Christ. Why? Because self is not the goal. I'm here to live out the great commandment, to love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, and to live out the great commission, to go and tell the whole world about what Jesus has done baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them to obey everything God has commanded. That's what I'm here to do. Galatians 2.20 says it like this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who, gave, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's, and if we don't start there, church, we get way off and it becomes all about us and not about him. But the only way to, to, to live out self-awareness in your relationships is first to say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want my beliefs in him to determine my actions and my attitudes, not my circumstance, not my circumstance. I want to be principle-driven, not emotionally driven. And I want to be guided by this principle. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be defined by Christ, not my whims, not my flaws, not my blind spots, not my emotions, not my temper, not my temptations. I want to be defined by Christ. I want great relationships, right? Who doesn't? Like I said earlier, who doesn't want everybody else in their life to be better at relationships? Well, it starts with me. And so when I say I want great relationships, then I got to go to God's word. What does God's word say about great relationships? Did you know there's, there's like around 100 one another's in the New Testament where it tells us how to treat each other? 
And so guess what that means? If you want to know what great relationships look like in God's word, you can find it. And so here's just a few, just an excerpt of, of the many. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Man, I I hope as I read this list that that some self-awareness bombs go off in your life. And you're like, man, I've been grumbling way too much. Or man, I'm not at peace with half the people in my life. Or man, I'm I'm not of the same mind with anybody. I'm contrary to everyone all the time. How about this one? Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning communion. I love that. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Seriously, guys, don't eat each other, right? Not good. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. And don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. I love that. And so, like you see, our goal is to be like Christ. God's word clearly shows us what it's like to be self-aware and what it's like to, how, how it is to do relationships. But great intentions and plans and just knowing your destination are not enough. So once we have our destination set to be like Christ, now let's get to work on getting there. What does this look like? Number two, to get to this destination to be like Christ, you first got, you got to embark on a journey of discovery. You need to personally embark on a journey of discovery. Listen, if you don't know where you are, you can't get where you need to go. Now you might say, well, I got Siri and she always knows where I'm at. The blue dot. Right? That's me. Here's, here's where I'm at. Hey, just think, there's no GPS for your spiritual life. There's no GPS for, um, for figuring out the direction you need to take other than I'm a sinner in need of grace. That's your blue dot. And so, but you got to figure out where am I? What, what, do I what's, what do I need to be self-aware of so that I know what I need to work on? Listen, James Russell Loyal says, no one can produce great things who is not thoroughly sincere in dealing with himself. I love that. You gotta be sincere. You gotta be, what, what do I really like? How am I really coming across? And discovering where you're at, discovering what the real you is like and how the real you is coming across to other people is super scary. It can be painful. It can be like life-shaking, like I thought I knew me, obviously I didn't. Listen, I've made some crazy conclusions on my own in my life, I've made some good ones, but I'm definitely not betting anywhere near a thousand. For instance, my honeymoon, one of the many bad decisions I've made since I got married, well actually I maybe made these decisions before I got married, but I had the bright idea, uh, because I'm, I'm a, I like to do surprises and plan, I had the bright idea, I'm just gonna plan the whole honeymoon and not consult Jolie at all. And she didn't ask, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is what we're gonna do. And she's like, okay, sounds fun. And, and so I just, I planned the whole thing. Well, in my amazing wisdom of being completely not, not self-aware, you know, we were like moving like every night or every other night to a new destination. 
Why? Because I can't sit still. And I love new adventure. And so we're here a couple nights, and then we're here a couple nights, and we're doing all this stuff. And, and a few days into our vacation, she's like, are we seriously moving again? What in the world were you thinking? Right? Horrible. Stupid. Bad decisions. And so I, I, I got to the end of that, and like, I need help. Right? I should have asked for help in planning this. And, the, you know, so, so many decisions are not well made in isolation, right? Don't do it on your own. It's not going to hurt, only hurt you. It's going to hurt the people around you. And so you got to go on this journey of self-discovery with others. And so how do you discover how you're coming across to others? How do you become more self-aware? You do it in three ways. Through conversations, assessments, and through prayer and Bible study. Right? Through the mirror of God's word, there's some really great tools and assessments out there that you can use that aren't necessarily, you know, always like biblically based, but there's a ton of wisdom, tons of wisdom. And then conversations, you gotta talk to people, you gotta talk about it and ask them to be brutally honest with you in your life. And so here's just a few that, that, that I would recommend. Take a spiritual gifts test. We have one at the end of class 301 if you haven't taken it. It'll help you kind of see yourself, how God has wired you, you know, according to the, the spiritual gifts listed, listed in God's word. I encourage you to take some assessments, like some personality assessments, whether it's the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or the Working Genius or the Strengths Finder or the Standout Assessment or, or any of them. Just, just something that is going to kind of give you an idea of, of, of what your personality bend is. Right? And why are these types of tools helpful? Because they give you tools in your hands to know, you know, what you're like. Now listen, Larry Stevens says, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then you tend to see every problem as a nail. If the only tool you have in your tool belt is a hammer, then you tend to see every problem as a nail. And so if you treat everything and everybody just the way that feels right to you, and a lot of people do this, oh, there's just some ham, ham, you gotta get over it, right? That is like the, the antithesis of self-awareness. But you take these assessments, not just to, to puff yourself up and see, oh, look how great I am, but to see who you are and what other people like and how you can interact better, how you can make wise decisions. Wisdom and the right sounding boards are key in this process. As you have conversations, as you read God's word, and as you take an assessment or two just to figure it out, you gotta talk to the right people. Not everybody has your best interest in mind. And let me give you another word of caution. Listen, the extreme side of self-awareness ends in people-pleasing, insecurity, apathy, and the exaltation of self. That is not what we're going for. Remember, we set our destination beforehand. And so we want our self-awareness to drive us to the hands of Jesus for transformation. Listen, why is this so important? Because if you don't realize your sin, you won't realize your need for a savior. And so why are we taking assessments? Why are we trying to figure out how we're wired? Why are we figuring out kind of our personality bend? Because I want to see how I'm affecting others that I might not see so I can treat them more like Christ treats them. Self-awareness, after all, is what led you to Jesus. Because you could not come to Jesus until you realized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior 
in need of his grace. Proverbs 20, 20 verse five says, though good advice lies deep in the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. And so this is what the journey of discovery looks like. It's I'm trying to draw out what God has put inside of me. Some of you have such a, a denigrated view of yourself. You say, I've, I've ruined all the relationships in my life or, or I, I always mess this up or I always mess this up. And you just think like, no one's gonna wanna interact with me anymore. Like literally some of you think that way. You look at everybody online and you look at everybody on social media and you're like, I will never measure up. I'm not sure anybody's gonna accept me how I am. But listen, this verse says that good advice lies deep in you. Why? Because God put a conscience in you. He put his image on you. He put his stamp of approval on you the day he breathed breath into your lungs. And although you have a sinful nature that is marred by sin and has separated from you, you from God, God wants nothing best, better, more than to suck you back into his family and forgive you and redeem you and make you a new creation in Christ. And so when you go on this journey of self-discovery, you're simply trying to figure out, God, where are the kinks in the chain? Where are the things that I need to straighten out so that I can be more like you? Proverbs 15, says, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors brings success. Seek out some people that can speak life into this process for you. For many of you, the best person is gonna be your spouse. They know it all, right? They hopefully want the best for you. They, they love you, right? And so open up the conversation. And then lastly, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another, to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So what does this, this journey of self-discovery look like? I'm gonna talk to people. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna confess my sins. I'm gonna take advice. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to maybe take an assessment or two just to kind of feel where my bend is so that I can put a harness or a bridle on my life and lead it towards Christ-likeness. Are you tracking? Number three. After we've decided our destination, we've embarked on this journey of discovery that, by the way, will we'll keep going throughout your whole life. Number three, you've got to prioritize and get to work. Prioritize and get to work. What I've learned in my life is that what's scheduled is what gets done. If it's not on my schedule, if I don't write it down, if I don't put it on a, on a, on a calendar and on a list, it's probably not gonna happen. Now, you might not be a list person, you might not be, you know, you might have a different system. Whatever your system is, if you're not intentional with this process of identifying the, the areas that you have blind spots and addressing them, it won't happen. These conversations that I'm encouraging you to have with, with mentors or people in your life, maybe you're like, Joe, I don't have a mentor. Reach out, reach out to me, reach out to another leader at church. If you're in a life group, ask your life group leader. They might not be able to be your mentor at this time, but they might know somebody. Seek it out, seek it out. And so what's scheduled gets done. Make that call for that coffee date. Make that call for that lunch meeting. Figure out how 
you're going to go through this process and then put it on the calendar. Knowing is not enough. That's why self-awareness is the starting point. It's never the end. It's just the start. You know what the Bible says in James 4, 17? It says, remember, it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And so once you become self-aware, once you know, hey, this is the thing that I need to work on, get it on the calendar and start working. You're never gonna fix anything overnight. And so pick something and attack it. You know, if you've got like, man, I've got, I've got like 10 issues. Pick one, pick one and start, start working on it. I wanna encourage you, you know, what, what, what else can go on your list? Read everything on the topic that you can get your hands on. Make sure it's Christ-centered and biblically-based and read it. Listen and apply it. And then repeat, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna apply it. Ask for feedback, keep asking. Prioritize it, put it on your calendar. Maybe it's a, a weekly or a monthly mentoring meeting with someone in your life. Be proactive. Man, I've, I've met leaders, met people before that say, man, no, no, one, no one's ever mentored me. I'm like, have you ever asked? Have you ever reached out and asked to, to, to go to coffee? To, to pick somebody's brain, to, to ask them what the, their, their, their view of you is and, and, and maybe what you could work on? Go for it. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen, there's no shortcuts when it comes to this process of self-awareness and becoming more like Christ. It's a grind. It's a lifetime of saying, I want to be more like Jesus. And the moment you think you arrived, you just stepped out of the process and back onto your own. Don't do it. Put in the planning, put in the hard work, put the dates on the calendar, prioritize being great at the relationships in your life. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, leaders are made daily, not in a day. You wanna lead well, you wanna have influence in your home and in your family, then get on this process and stay on it until the day that you die. I love what 1 John 2, 6 says. It says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And this is really where the rubber hits the road. Once I become aware of my blind spot, will I do anything about it? Or will I be one of those people that just ignores it and acts like it's not there and expect everybody in my life to just love me the way that I am? That's lame. <laughs> your, your family deserves more. You deserve more. Jesus deserves more. Why? Because he laid down his life for you on a cross. He paid the ultimate price so that you can be free of sin, free from guilt, free from shame, and you don't have to live that way anymore. And so the rubber has to hit the road. Remember, church, you cannot, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Jesus, help us. 
help us as you shine a spotlight on our heart, the places that we need to get better. God, the places where we're just incessantly annoying our spouse. God, the, the place that we're, that we're just being self-centered. God, the place that we're considering our needs above, above other people's. God, the places that we're just being bullheaded and stubborn. God, shine a spotlight on the, the lack of self-awareness in our hearts and let, us, let it lead us towards Christ-likeness. We wanna look like you, Jesus. We wanna talk like you. We wanna reflect you in everything that we do. We love you more than anything and we wanna put you first. So help us today, God. If you're here today and you're like, man, I have not been very self-aware. And it begins for you with realizing that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And you're saying to yourself, Joe, today, I realize I need to admit that I need Jesus in my life. I need to admit that I'm going the wrong way. I need to admit that I need Jesus. And you'd like to begin a relationship with Christ today. And I've been praying for you. Our church has been praying for you. And we believe that there's a new day ahead for you if you take it. If you say, Jesus, I'm here, I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I wanna trust you with my life. And so if that's you today, if you wanna just be a new creation, you wanna start fresh, you want a second chance, you wanna put God first in your life, you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand today and say, Joe, that's me. Here I am, I wanna follow Jesus. I'm deciding today to make Jesus my Lord and my savior, that's me. God, I pray for those that are responding today, whether they're here in the building or whether they're online today. God, I pray that as they invite you to be the Lord of their life, that they can believe in their heart that you died for them, that you rose again on the third day, that they confess, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And God, that they commit to live for you the rest of the days of their life. Help them, Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you're sitting at your seat or if you're online today and you'd like to accept Christ, I want you to pray a prayer just like that in your own words. You believe Jesus is really the Son of God. He really died for you on a cross. He really rose again. You confess that you're a sinner and you invite Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. And now, you're a new creation. And you turn that corner and you begin to live a life for Jesus. Surrendering everything because he's worth it. All your dreams, all your ambitions, all your hopes, all in his hands. And whatever you do, whatever God has put in your hand, whatever job you have, whatever family you have, you're gonna choose to honor him with the life that he's given you. Amen. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I need a massive dose of self-awareness in my life to help my relationships, to help my uh, just being the best dad, the best husband, the best spouse, the best uh, coworker, the best person that I can be for Christ so that I can reflect Christ. If I just need to step up my self-awareness game and get to work, if that's you, I'm going to pray a closing prayer to this message. I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, that's me. 
here I am. Jesus, help us today and this week. Shine that spotlight on our hearts where we're, we just need to become more self-aware. Shine that spotlight on our hearts of the things we need to stop ignoring and the things that we need to really attack and grow in. God, help us to find the resources that we need. Help us to find the right Bible verses that we need to get us on track. Jesus, help your word to be the guiding force in our life in Jesus' name. We love you more than anything and just ask you to help us be self-aware, help it to, us to drive us towards Christ-likeness and help us to get to work and apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.